Buonasera, signorina. Buonasera. <laughs> Buonasera, Rob. <laughs> Buonasera, RJ. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty good. I wasn't expecting the uh, the new theme tune for for Tell on Air episode twenty seven. Boom, boom. You're gonna keep uh, dropping new tunes on me all throughout the show, or something? Have you been working on the soundboard without telling me? Yeah, we have a few new tunes on the soundboard. So uh, some, come on, I, I can I, I, I can surprise you uh, here and there. And um, well, I feel vulnerable. Yeah. I've handed over control of a soundboard to uh, our glorious. Did you read what I called I you the other day? Too sexy oh, for my love. Too sexy for my. Our love. soft-skinned leader, and here he is with right said Fred. Oh, back wow. up. I don't know if you have soft skin. I don't think I've ever touched your skin. I, I guess I've not. Shall we go uh, get on with the program? <laughs> Why don't you want to talk about it? Why are you so cagey about this kind of thing? You got some skin skin phobia or something? I have a phobia for other men touching my skin, yes. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me, referring to me as a man. <laughs> Normally it's Hobbit or, you know... The, <laughs> or just the hey. Thing. Hey, hey, hey thing, hey guy. Uh, all right. Look, here we are. We are split across Europe as we normally are. One of us in the Netherlands, one in Germany. Um, the one of us in Germany is me, and I am but 45 minutes away from Glasseter, and that is where the focus of episode 27 will lie. What have we got today, Arj? We have uh, for you the Glashütte Original, Panometric Lunar, and it says on the dial, Mondphase. Mondfaser. I just wanted to say that Mondfaser. It's such it's such a cool thing to to have on a dial in German. Hey, you could say it like um, you know, uh, I can't remember the name of the hyena Chasne or something like that in Lion King, like Mufasa, but Mondfaser, Mondfaser. It's pretty creepy, right? Yeah, quite. <laughs> Got a bit so, of a yeah. going on. so we have a bunch of Glasshütte Original watches uh, in our office uh, at the moment and um, we will uh, cover them on Fratello watches in the coming uh, weeks I guess but uh, one of them is something we already covered a few months ago but they put it in the box anyway and I thought it is worth talking about on this podcast um, it's the green dialed uh, panomatic lunar as I just said with the moon phase moon phase that is and it's quite awesome. The green dial is really stunning. I, I got it out of the box. I was together with Bert, our photographer, and he was uh, unwrapping all the watches. And uh, yeah, this uh, not fell out. I don't want to say we are not careful <laughs> with these watches, but I took this out of the box and I put it on my wrist and the green is really, really awesome. It looks beautiful. Yeah, well, Glasseter Original have got a real track record when it comes to churning out some amazingly colorful and nuanced styles. We've seen it in their 60s collection, um, probably expressed the best. Uh, but this is a real stunner. And it's not the first time we've seen this forest green from them, um, but it is perhaps um, the best execution of a color so far. Yeah, and I think it really matches the style of the watch. And um, um yeah, it's, it's a looker. I will put a few pictures in the show notes. And I have it on my wrist, uh, actually. And um, it really looks amazing. Um, yeah, like you said, they, they have quite a track record with dials. I remember when we were still able to travel. It uh, yeah, seems like years ago, but it, uh, it was indeed uh, over a year ago during the Time to Move um, um, event uh, by Swatch Group. So Classic Original is part of the Swatch Group, as you know. And um, 
Glashütte original had their own um, um, yeah, show in Switzerland. Normally they are located in, in Germany, of course. So with all other Swatch Group brands, we visited the manufacture uh, of these of these brands and Glashütte original had their own um, um, uh, location in Switzerland where uh, the press uh, could see the novelties. And one of the, th- I don't want to, to, to uh, recall the, the 2019 novelties, but one of the cool things they had was like this little, workshop or demonstration thing where you could uh, could uh, print the dials basically it was really cool and there they told us that they have a uh, this this uh, dial manufacturer in Pforzheim which is besides Glashütte in Germany is this other um, city that has a lot of uh, uh, watchmaking history basically there are some brands from Pforzheim but also a lot of uh, suppliers to other brands and um, one of the men- one of the factories there is a dial factory and it's owned by Glashut Original and they create these beautiful colorful dials basically this is a really smart move by Glashut Original and more brands should really look to do this when they want to bring things in house so Obviously, we talk about in-house production as like the holy grail of, of watch companies. It's what everybody's aiming for. And the but it dial- should not stop in movements, right? No, no, it shouldn't. You're absolutely right. So there's there's so many different specializations uh, in the craft of watchmaking. Like George Daniels used to say, I think he said there's like 34 different trades. You know, you've got glass making, hand making, dial making. The movements are just one part of it. And of course, within the movements themselves, there's there's different skills. And people start to focus on glass and original dials a few years ago when they really upped their game in that regard. And someone found out, oh, there's, they're made in Fortsheim. They're not made by glass and original. Not true. They bought the company that made them. So they are made by Glassator Reganel, but they are made in Fortsheim. So an interesting strategy, like rather than developing your stuff, just buy the f- experts and uh, put them in put them in the catalog and yeah, it works. I think a lot of brands uh, uh, took that route. I think Rolex is one of the biggest examples. They, they didn't do anything by themselves at the start, uh, back in 1905 or something. And mm-hmm. they just bought... Uh, hand makers, dial makers, movement makers, and so on. And I don't think that's a bad strategy, but no. yeah, we're now uh, in, in, in 2020, almost 2021. And I feel that I've been to Glassit Original uh, a number of times uh, in my uh, career as uh, as watch journalist and or watch blogger. And um, it was always amazing. It has always been an amazing trip to, to Glassit Original. Their uh, manufacture is really impressive. I've seen the old one. Uh, I think back in 2012 or 2011. And I've been to the new one uh, a number of times as well. And it always amazes me what these people do in-house basically and, and how detailed they are in what they do. And it doesn't stop with the movement. And um, um, it's also now the dial. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's really stunning. And I think if you do these things in-house, you can have a much broader spectrum of what you can offer to your clients basically you can re- you don't have to make concessions anymore because your supplier can't deliver or your supplier can do a certain color or a certain motive on a dial um that that that, that then should belong to the past when you do these things in-house uh, properly and um, yeah this is a perfect example this uh, this uh, panomatic uh, lunar um on my wrist is reference 190 um, I don't expect you to write it down. Just go to the website from glassuitorginal.com and uh, look for the Panomatic Lunar um, um, collection and look the one up with the green dial. Yeah, it's really stunning. 
we have uh, we have our article from May twelfth as well that um, Balash wrote. Yeah, uh, Balash, yeah, yeah. Balash. So yeah, we already went uh, in depth on the on the watch itself, but uh, yeah, it's so good. I thought uh, let's make it the topic of this uh, this uh, this podcast edition. You, you um, know what, what what really impresses me about this dial, and it's it's like you say, it's a perfect example of how you don't have to make any concessions at all. Uh, is not only the process in which the green color, which is actually a degradé effect, it goes it goes to black at the very edges, is yeah. applied, but also the moon phase disc itself. I think that's a real the star or moon of the show um, that just uh, really leaps out as the kind of exceptional detail you're able to insist upon when you have that creative ability within your own company. And that just looks great. You know, we don't have any uh, clashing blue. Uh, we don't have any cheaply finished moon. If you look at the close-up shot we've got on the article in line with the text, it's the third third one down. If you check out um, the release article from May, you can see the depth and how exactly how convex that that moon is, and it's really quite really quite special. And the dial itself, the green, is uh, is cool because first the whole dial blank is given a galvanic nickel treatment, and then rather than apply the green first, the edge is sprayed with black lacquer to create this fade and then at the very end the transparent green lacquer goes over the top um, which is how they build up those color layers and how they achieve that um, really really delicate shift from black to green and uh, yeah I mean come on it's a remarkable color and in real life it's one of the things about Glacetura Ganal that really stands out yeah and um, as I said I'm wearing this and um you also have to know that so this year we didn't really travel. I think this year I never wore a suit once. I mean, I'm dressed up, but not a suit. I don't. I don't think I even wore a, a, like a like a, sh- a long sleeve long sleeve uh, shirt, like a dress shirt. What are you and dressed up as? Are you wearing a costume or something? You say you're dressed up. I mean, I know you're dressed, but. I mean, I hope. Yeah, like uh, no. When I go to events or, or to 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 meet brands, I I put put, to put on one of my my suits. But this year, it's it has been polo shirts and uh, and um, um, sweaters or uh, yeah, some knitwear. But um, what I want to say, basically, long story short, <laughs> is that this watch looks awfully good when you're a bit more casual as well. Normally, with these type of watches, with this uh, panam, uh, panometric collection, um, they are they look like a bit formal watches, like dress watches. But I have to say, they look pretty good with a sweater or polo shirt as well. Um, they're really more versatile than you would think on first sight. Is that the green color, or do you think it's the thickness of the case, or what is it that makes them so? I also have to say that the uh, Nubuk strap. I don't know if you pronounce Nubuk Nubuk in English Nubuk. Uh, leather strap, yeah, yeah. yeah. It it really um, it it gives this more uh, yeah uh, casual look and feel, and um, yeah, it might be the 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 the, the case shape or the, the the thickness as well. But the green color definitely uh, plays part in that as well. That yeah, it really looks nice with the with the sweater as well. You know, weirdly, on photographs, cool. I I think this thing looks a lot wider than it actually is. To me, it looks. I don't know why it's it, it leaps out to me from the screen as a large watch, but it looks about forty four millimeters. It's not. Yeah. It's only forty yeah, yeah. millimeters it's, wide. It's forty, but it it wears. Uh, it, it it yeah, it wears very good. It wears actually. Um, 
I would have guessed 42 millimeter. It's uh-huh. the size I'm very, uh, very used to uh, being a Speedmaster collector. Yeah. And I would easily say that, that it looks like a 42, but it's smaller. I was earlier today, I was wearing a, a Rolex, uh, and that's always, uh, well, uh, uh, an older sports model is always 40 millimeter. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I would definitely say that this is uh, uh, a bit bigger, but it isn't. It's also 40 millimeter. But um, yeah, it's really nice. And yeah, if you use some clicking uh, in the background, it's uh, me taking off the watch with a folding clasp. Um, the movement is really something that are, I, I appreciate a lot from Glasvita Original. It's done so nice. It's 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 a hand engraved uh, balance cock and um, beautiful rotor with the with the Glasvita Original logo in there. Um, one question for you: um, What's the definition of a micro rotor? Is it a certain certain diameter size, or just when a rotor is not full size of a movement, it's not? Well, yeah, that was a good question. I mean, um, I thought you were going <laughs> to ask me what the definition of an eccentric uh, winding weight is. Um, and obviously, that's one that's not in the center. You didn't ask that question, so you threw me off guard. A micro rotor, I would say, yeah, it's just one that is has a smaller overall diameter than the movement itself. I think I'm just trying to picture automatic movements because I don't have one in front of me. But I'm pretty sure that the edge of the oscillating mass almost always lines up with if not the very outer edge because most like main plates have a little lip on them a very tiny lip it it would line up with the edge of like the external mm. so as you know and perhaps our our audience knows this as well that in glassita you have this 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 thing um called a three quarter uh, plate main plate yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so three quarters is main plate, and then the rest you often you see the the the, the balance wheel and the the bridge. Um, with this movement, it's a three quarter plate, um, as you can see. I will throw in a picture in the show notes, and the rotor is as big as that. So it's a decentralized rotor, and um, the diameter is of course smaller than a regular uh, rotor, but it is a big is is as big as a three quarter main plate. Do you it ever? It's quite interesting. It does look really interesting, actually, and it's quite unusual because the three-quarter plate, um, which is a, a very German style, is really based on the old pocket watches that um, made Glasser famous in the early days. And pocket watches were n- not exclusively manual wind, but almost always manual wind. And so, uh, putting a, a winding weight into a three-quarter plate is a strange thing because you have to create a recess in that three-quarter plate to find space for it. Um, what do you think of a three-quarter plate? Do you like the style, and do you know why they um, were so popular with early German pocket watches? No, I probably they told me during one of the one of the um, uh, tours at Glasvita Original, but it has been too long ago. What I do remember, but it's a bit uh, going uh, off topic again, um, is about the decoration. They mm-hmm. one of the guys there, one of the guys he said, do you know why there is decoration on the on the on the main plate? Like these uh, not 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 Geneva striping of course, but Glasshutter striping. <laughs> yeah, Glasshutter um, ribbing. Yep, yep. Ribbing. Yeah, then I said, well, it's it's nice it's decoration. And he said, yeah, it's decoration, but it also had another functionality, which is it collected the dust. Mm-hmm. the dust would stick into these ribs and that was mm-hmm. easier to clean rather than that it gets lost in the movement. Um, you know, I uh, I repeated this fact um, on a m- more than daily basis to the staff I was training when I worked for Nomos, uh, also based in Glasseter, just across the road from the new Glasseter original manufacturer. 
And uh, it's it's really heartening to hear that Glastatur Rignal say that also, because uh, some, sometimes people would just express disbelief or, or they thought it was a post hoc justification for um, finishing, which is ubiquitous in watchmaking. But nope, apparently this is true. Those little tiny ridges and grooves, which you can uh, see uh, very clearly under a microscope, are there to catch dust, dirt, maybe oil that skips out of a jewel cup um, or swarf that tears off uh, a wheel or a pinion. So, yeah, that's pretty cool to know that, you know, form follows function uh, once again. Yeah. No, and it's, again, it's a beautiful movement. It's caliber 90-02. And looking at it, um, it has, that's why I started uh, earlier on when I said balance wheel and uh, balance cock, but they are not one, but two swan neck uh, swan necks on there for the adjustment yeah and um and that's you can elaborate in. a bit on that as well being a yeah. former watchmaker uh yeah uh so what we have here is a balanced bridge rather than a balanced cock so a a cock and a bridge um are effectively performing the same function within a watch but a cock has only one point of uh affixation so one screw uh, a bridge has two or more. So just yeah, like in real has, life... That has to do with stability, right? Yeah, so a, a, a bridge is is preferable really in uh, in all cases. Um, the, the only advantage I would say of, of cocks as opposed to bridges is that you could maybe partially service a movement a little easier if you had, for example, um, a third wheel on a separate cock itself and you and you had a broken pinion you could just remove that cock and that wheel and put a new one in uh that is maybe the the sort of reason for it but the german watchmaker never never takes the easy route uh for the watchmaker uh the three-quarter plate is a nightmare nightmare for a watchmaker because where you would normally perhaps have a barrel bridge and a train bridge in a swiss caliber or the swiss equivalent here you just have one massive bridge which covers everything so when you take it off you have to take it all off and the barrel and the third and the second wheel and the third wheel and blah 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 that all has to come out and it's uh, it's a really big job the germans prefer historically the three-quarter plate because it provides better stability which re- which reduces friction reduces inaccuracies in 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 the movement theoretically and it should result in uh longer times between services as well. So there's a few reasons for it. And of course, the, the entire mechanism is protected. So in addition to the the finishing on the surfaces collecting dust, so too does the three-quarter plate protect the internal workings from dust interference. So when it comes to this balance wheel, which is a screw balance, so it is poised using uh, these screws that are studded around its perimeter, we have a very solid construction with two fine regulations uh, which uh, are used to make sure the watch is keeping time in all positions as well as it can do. So that's the reason for the duplex swan neck fine adjustment, as they call it. Yeah, for better regulation, basically. Yeah, it's a really nice one as well, I have to say. Um, I have always been a fan of German watchmaking. I was very pleased to work for a German company for a few years and get um, very intimately acquainted with Glassiter and its history. And it took me a while to get on board with a Glassiter original uh, style because it is slightly different from Lange and different, again, from Nomos. In some ways, I see it as a little bit more Swiss, um, but still very, very distinctly German. This movement however, is uh, is a great example of the handcrafts that are popularized in Glassiter and 
by the town's historical watchmakers and a really, really great ambassador for the brand. It's uh, 28,800 VPH as well. So um, it's a little bit faster moving than you would expect from a German caliber. A lot of them are lower frequency because so many of them are manual because of the preference for the three-quarter plate and the difficulty in integrating automatic winder therein. So it's pretty cool. It's very nice. Um, got that fine glass of ribbing uh, on the surface which gives it a really elegant vibe too. Yeah, it looks beautiful. And as I said, the hand engraving on the balance bridge, I have to say, is also uh, is, is also um, a pleasure to look at. And what I've been told as well um, during one of these uh, tours is that the person who does the hand engraving on these uh, uh, bridges, they will recognize their own work. So in the end, they will recognize the watch they worked on. Oh, that is cool. That is nice. Yeah. Gives it a nice touch, I think. It's, it's it's difficult sometimes for watchmakers. I know this from personal experience to um, assemble a watch and regulate it and bring it to life and then send it out into the world and to never see it again. Um, it didn't really dawn uh, upon me how how much we invest in this uh, in this craft until I did stumble across a watch that I had assembled um, all the way across the pond in North. Carolina. Where was I now? Uh, I guess I was in Winston-Salem and uh, I was working for Nomos at the time, but I came across a Bremont that I'd put together years before. And I remember it distinctly because I remember the serial numbers that I was charged with in this particular model. And uh, it was it was a bizarre feeling. So I can only imagine what a hand engraver who spends hours slaving over a balance bridge would feel like to see it in the wild. It must be remarkable. So satisfying. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 uh, it's beautiful. The the watch is uh, beautiful on the on the on the front as well as on the on the backside, and I think it's really good to have a to have this uh, uh, sapphire case back because you can really enjoy uh, the movement uh, in this case. Um, for me, a sapphire case back is not always something I am after or that I would love to have in a watch because. I I mean I appreciate Eta movements or Celita uh, and so on, but. I have seen my share of those. So f- for me, um, I think it's nice to to have a watch with with a, a, a look through case back so you can observe a watch. But if you collect watches or have multiple watches, then I think um, yet yeah, only add something to the table if the watch is really worth um, observing, basically. And th- this this movement is really uh, is really just that. It's it's beautiful to uh, to look at. Yeah, I'm in agreement, 100%. Like uh, a nicely designed closed case back is is uh, preferable, in my opinion, to another 2824 or uh, SW200. Sure, absolutely. But this is, I mean, it's not the star of a show because the dial shares that stage quite handily. But um, it's, a, it's a really beautiful movement and definitely deserves to be seen and appreciated. And that hand engraving, um, I mean, that would be a travesty to cover that up. So thank goodness they have uh, have a sapphire case back. You know what's interesting about this? The, the diameter of this movement is 32.6 millimeters and the overall diameter of a watch is 40. So that means that we only have 7.4 millimeters um, of case material either side of it. So that equates to, geez, uh, about three 
0.7 millimeters on either side, which is is not too much. So it does feel like it's um, you're getting a full show displayed there. But more interestingly still for me is the height of the movement comes in at 7 millimeters and the height of the watch is only 12.7. So uh, for quite a stout movement and quite a deep dial, as you can see from the depth of the moon phase indicator and the big date, which we haven't even touched upon yet. Um, Glastater Original manages to finish this off really, really well to keep that uh, thickness very uh, palatable, to keep it wearable on the wrist. And part of that is down to, of course, the traditional German sub-second style, which yeah. reduces the hand height. So that's another element. Yeah, and- yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the big date. It's interesting that you mention it. Um um, the moon face is set by a little uh, micro pusher in the case band uh, above the crown. And uh, the date can be set by uh, uh, turning the crown, uh, let me think, uh, counterclockwise. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, this other brand from Glashütte, uh, Lange und Söhne, they, they have, of course, the Lange one. It also has a big date. And what annoys me with that watch is that if you have any date uh, up to the 9th, of, of a month, the left side of the big date is empty. It just shows like an empty uh, empty disc. And at least what they did here with Glassite Original is they show a zero. And that to me makes all the difference. Um, it's more in balance. I, and it proves that, um, well, my, my standpoint basically, that it's much more balanced. It looks better. And um, something is happening there. Um it looks it, it looks uh, gorgeous, and I like a big date because I'm getting older. I have my glasses, but um, yeah, reading a date gets uh, yeah more tough by the year. I have to say, and with this big date, it's uh, yeah all fine. I um, I won't lie. It, uh, it and it looks good. I think it the the dial layout is still very much balanced. On the left side, you will have the hours, minutes, small seconds. And um, on the upper right, at two o'clock more or less, is the moon face. And um, um, below that at uh, 4.30, I would say, is the, the big date. It looks yeah. really awesome. Yeah, the uh, the layout is really is really quite special. It's, it's really nicely balanced. Um, the size of the sub-seconds is something I really, really enjoy because my favorite- It's big, eh? it's large. Yeah, it's really big, yeah. And I like it when they, they put the emphasis on that because that elegant hand with that gorgeous counterpoise is probably my second favorite- dial element after the moon phase disc itself seeing that um move and track across the dial uh is is a joy so i'm glad that they put quite a lot of focus on that and reduce the focus on the hours and the minutes in regards to the date um i totally agree with you i love a big date it's not to do with my eyesight which is failing i admit but um Normally, date windows annoy me. I think they clutter up dials and get in the way. And so the only way to do it palatably for me is to make them a real focal point of the uh, overall presentation. And big dates do that really nicely. Um, It's interesting that you really only see a very similar font type on big dates in German watches. Have you noticed that? Like They all seem to look kind of the same. You know, you don't see like futuristic fonts in a big date. It's always like, oh, we've got this like rather elegant, slightly serifed, uh, yeah. Arabic font, but it's cool. It's cool, and the zero um, is a huge bonus in my opinion. I totally agree with you. I do not like the dead space created by the blank disc. And another thing that's different from many other big dates manufactured in Glasseter here is the price of this thing. Um, have you checked? Yeah, you I, uh, I I checked it, and I had to look twice, and I thought, hmm, is this right? <laughs> I thought but it was missing th- a, a one off the front. I really did. Yeah, yeah. 
I think, uh, of course, it's not cheap by any means. I mean, we know and we understand that it's still a lot of money for, uh, I think, most people. But this watch comes at 9,600 on a leather strap with a uh, tang-type buckle and with a folding clasp, it's uh, 9.9 in euros, uh, including VAT. And um, I'm not that much a fan of folding clasps, uh, as you know. But uh, in this case, it uh, yeah, it's it's quite it's quite good. But I also have to admit, I think I would rather go with the, for the the non-folding uh, clasp. Um, yeah, I, I would. But I that's, would pers- say that's that personal well. preference. I mean, if you like a um, folding clasp, you you should go uh, go for it and don't uh, don't uh, yeah um, yeah the folding clasp save costs is, on uh, that basically. It's, it's certainly uh, well made and nice uh, for what it is. It's just a personal preference, isn't it? And we both we both prefer a pin and tang uh, yep. buckle. Uh, yep. You should you should come to Germany if you want to buy it though, RJ, because um, we have our um, temporary three percent reduction in VAT. So yeah, right, it's sixty percent, right? right? Yeah, and yeah, in yeah. the Netherlands is twenty one. So um, Ooh, that could make a little bit of a difference. Yes. Yeah, over here right now, <laughs> the uh, the pin and tang is only nine thousand one hundred sixty. Although we don't have too long left on our VAT discount, and uh, Mehrwert. Yeah, it's Steuer- only for this month, right? For the well, it was to help uh, people through COVID, right? To keep the economy uh, flowing. Yeah. Was that the reason? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was that was the reason. Yeah, there's nothing else behind yeah. it as far as I'm aware. So yeah. uh, still not over. So they should uh, prolong it. Well, it is interesting that they decided to can it at the end of a year, but I mean that's the end of the German tax year. So I suppose they're trying to just keep it neat um, for uh, accountants and certainly self-employed people um, around the country. And we'll see what happens next year. You know, I mean, I, th- I think optimism is hot. Oh I my want to sell a- goodness! I want to celebrate the third Germanism here. What you know who it is? I, I don't know who it is, no. Uh, let me try again then. Falco. No, that's Austrian. Angela Merkel. <laughs> I think she likes this music. Don't you she think? definitely does, 100%. Yeah. The guy has an English name though. Who, um, who well, singing is a, a bit much, but um, who talks through this uh, song. <laughs> no clue, right? Uh, come on. Wow, it's getting really come fast. On, come on. Uh, it's Scooter. Scooter. It is not Scooter. Fast, it's Scooter. Friends. <laughs> friends. Scooter. Friends will be friends. Yeah, it's very nice. And um, I thought for this uh, this uh, German uh, watch uh, podcast, I would throw in a g- little German song there. Awesome. Yeah, I... Uh, I don't know what to say. It took me completely by surprise, and I thought mm-hmm. I was having a stroke when it started coming in my ears. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for that momentary terror that you inflicted upon me. Have you got anything else on your sandboard? Are you gonna are you gonna just keep it in the in your locker in case? I don't know. Do you want to keep it uh, uh, German, or can I also share some 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 Dutch? Right. Yeah, well, you know, we're an international uh, publication. We uh, we are. Proud to have readers from all over the world. Uh, so yeah, inclusivity is the name of the game. Come on. Okay. Then. Uh, okay. Try to uh, to guess this one. <laughs> this is Dutch, right? This is Dutch. Yeah, you can hear it, right? <laughs> really bad sampling and. To say, I mean, it's, it's beyond awful. Is it, is it, like, is it a real pop star or is it? 
Oh, no, no, no. Charlie Low Noise and Mental Theo. Charlie Very Low good. Noise. Charlie Low Noise. Okay, okay, okay. That's uh, that's terrifying. That I, I thought that these guys, Charlie Low Noise, Mental Theo, and perhaps two brothers on the fourth floor, you might know them. Dutch uh, Dutch uh, heroes. They uh, that they conquered the world in the nineties with these. No, songs, they didn't. Uh, RJ, they did oh. not conquer the world. Look, I grew up in England. Okay, and in England we have like people that use instruments and you know sing intelligible, meaningful lyrics. You know to an audience is discerning. singer Desiree she was very nice Desiree had a, had a couple of hits yeah I'll give you that a great voice but this is this is you know this is your insular upbringing showing through here this is I don't know if the Dutch politicians told you that these guys went on to conquer the world and had number ones all around Europe but it didn't happen didn't happen we probably didn't even let them into the country so what are you here for and play them like a five second clip of that atrocity Desiree can come in. She didn't. She do the theme tune for. No, but this Romeo is this Julia? is another Desiree. This is another. De- this is not the Desiree you're talking about. This is a Dutch Desiree, and I think the other Desiree is Dutch um, Desiree. What do you mean? Yeah, you just Dutch Desiree. Existing pop stars and. No, I think our De- Desiree is uh, much older than. Uh, but I also have some. Ah, uh, oh, this you should know. They're from Munich. Well, I like the sound of this already. And they, and they, they had these uh, these mullets like uh, proper focohilas called Forden hin uh, Forden kurz hinten lang, so short in the front, long in the back. Uh, I don't know. It sounds like Alphaville. It's Münchner Freiheit. Münchner Freiheit. Yes, Munich freedom, I guess. Literally translated. <sighs> Well, look, it's quite clear. And somehow my German colleagues, they never appreciate these these beautiful German songs. I, it seems that I'm the only one. And they say, oh, is this your guilty pleasure? No, it's just my pleasure. Yeah, you are not in the least bit guilty, which does make it a lot worse <laughs> uh, for the rest of us. I, I, I won't deny the fact, I quite like the sound of that um, Münchner Freiheit one, so I might, I might check that out. I certainly do need to, uh, I don't know, ingratiate. Uh, Up your Spotify game, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm stuck. Um, I'm stuck on like sort of deep techno and uh, wordless trance music that I have on in the background while I'm writing. Recently recommended to listen to uh, Croatian Amor, um, which I've been playing today and for the last uh, f- few hours of yesterday, and that's uh, good vibes to work to. Um, I like listening to pretty dark ambient techno when I'm writing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I would dance to this stuff. I would definitely like take my shirt off and cover myself in uh, mayonnaise and, you know, run through the streets of Bavaria singing at the top of my lungs should the opportunity present itself to Münchner Freiheit. But I would not sit here and type um, horological gold for our readers while that was playing in the background. And even <laughs> even if, <laughs> even humble as ever, even if uh, the subject was as compelling as the um, panomatic um, Luna that we've just been talking about and got slightly sidetracked from in, in a very good humoured way that I hope our readers appreciate, um, we're getting an insight into the inner workings of the minds of the Fratelli. And it is as disturbing as it is interesting. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to hear what else you've dumped on the sandboard. It was looking so neat and tidy 
<laughs> no, not kidding. anymore. Not anymore. Ah, great, I think great, I need great. to clean it up because Michael and Balash are all, also recording their their podcasts, and they will think, "Oh, what's going on here?" It's just uh, leave it in there. We don't use the soundboard as much as we should, to be honest. I, I like a good radio show vibe to our podcasts, and I think that um, this uh, good humored approach is uh, something that I would listen to myself. So let's leave it in there. Uh, okay, let's just let's just take a, another look at the um, Caliber ninety O two before we move on. So um, it has a forty two hour power reserve plus or minus five percent, which is totally uh, sufficient for such a complicated movement uh, with an auto winding weight. Um, we've got the traditional German finishing. We've got the screw balance, the duplex Swan neck fine adjustment, skeletonized rotor, um, which is rather nice with the back to back G. Motif. I like that. I, I always wonder how they do that plating, how that separate plating, how they get it so so perfectly on there. That's- do you think, I have a question, do you think that people who buy this watch are more interested in the mechanical side of things or that they just want to have a beautiful looking wristwatch? Or is it something both? Uh, you know what? That is a really good question because I was thinking before when you were saying the, you're glad it has a sapphire display window that very often a watch is a star from one side or the other, you know, yep. so, and it's it's rare really to get such balance. I'm not saying it's, it's unheard of. It's really not. Um, you know, if you look across the road uh, to Lang and Zona, you'd find um, another brand that has great mechanical movements and uh, gorgeous dials but the conservatism perhaps of the langer aesthetic dial side um, doesn't come anywhere near um, the visual impact of this model and this is what glassatory Ganal is doing so well because i think they have to do it i think the brand really really needs to place this ability it has to create these interesting dial colors front and center and so to answer your question I think that this is the kind of watch that would appeal to someone who has wanted to buy a Glassator Original for a long time because of the movements and because of the history and because of what you get on the back, but has maybe been waiting for something a little bit more like explosive on the front. So it's about as balanced as it gets for my money. And mm-hmm. I like it both ways through both sapphires. I think it's really neat. Uh, and within this Pano collection, it is definitely my favorite yeah i think i uh, i have to agree with you um i don't mind uh, owning a gold watch so i would really love to see uh, a rose gold version also with a green dial they do have i think they do have a rose gold version with a blue dial that is awesome because it has a little rose gold moon on the disc yeah. well. the integration of that is stunning yeah I have it here in front of me uh, on my screen actually now. So they do have one indeed. Um, and the pricing is not bad either. It's uh, 18,800. So basically twice the price of uh, of this one. But it's, it's yeah, it, it looks really awesome. But I also would love to see green and gold. I don't, I'm not sure how that would uh, look. I, I like it on the Rolex Day Date. Um, they you liked it on the, um, on the Grand Seiko we saw as well. That was the Grand Seiko with rose gold and green. It's a bold look. Yeah. Yeah, the, the one we saw in Paris. And I think that's a bold look, and that's very nice. And I think I think Classic Original can get away with it. Um, 
I, I surely think it would work. Yeah, it would yeah. work. I wouldn't choose yeah. it over the steel. No way. For me, that would be a bit too a bit too opulent. I think I very much like the white dial in the rose gold case, like mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. the um, Pano Reserve models that they have as well. Um, the Panamatic Luna with the more traditional blue Luna disc. That to me is a real nice balance. When I was a younger man and uh, ambitious young watchmaker, I thought rose gold was the bee's knees and I wanted everything in rose gold. And I, I dreamed of owning uh, a German watch one day with a rose gold case and a beautiful silver dial. But as I got older, I really have moved away from it in a big, big fashion. I like steel. I like darker dials. Um, I am not averse to the odd green dial. And so for me, this one on the on the new box strap, not bothered about the bracelet at all. Don't think it needs a bracelet for a watch like this. The style the style of the dial is the is the star of a show. Yeah, uh, I I, uh, I tend to agree, and um, yeah, it really looks awesome. I think um, this is one of my favorite timepieces of the Glassy Original Collection in, in total. I like the senator pieces. I, I uh, yeah, I, I won't uh, lie to you. That's for me the senator chronometer. Is uh, is a, an amazing watch, um, but I think this uh, this also come with a different price tag. I have to add, but mm-hmm. this uh, Panomatic Lunar is really really nice. Um, yeah, I think there's a couple of really good ones uh, that stand out. I mean, I've always gravitated towards the '60s collection with those yeah. stamped dials. They're so cool, and they're so are good. cheap for what they are. True, but the, the style is not my thing, and also their uh, the die the, the CQ is not really my thing. I like the original one that they like their recreation of the original one. That, I think that one is super nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, the the panomatic uh, uh, watches are the are tip. Yeah, for me, that's Glassuit original. But f- to each their own. It's good that they have a, a wide variety of uh, of different types of watches, um, and the quality is great. And also, I think it's their it's their vintage collection where they also have these. Um, uh, integrated bracelets. I think it's this seventies, the sixties or seventies. No, it's that seventies yeah. model with this TV screen um, uh, edition. Oh, you mean the chronograph panorama date? Oh, baby. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and and that's nice. And it has this integrated bracelet, and it looks really awesome. And it doesn't look like all the like those the the the, the ones that are really hyped right now, all the Genta designs. But it's like a proper integrated bracelet on a on a yeah an everyday watch. But yeah, yet yeah, again, yeah. these the, the the Pano collection is uh, is definitely my favorite. Um, and talking about um, favorites, perhaps you're not wearing a favorite watch, but we forgot to do our wrist check, our handgelenk controller. Handgelenk controller. Okay, right. So today I'm I'm being pretty boring. Um, I have been in a real uh, Omega Breitling hole recently, and I've been alternating between my Speedmaster 1998. Uh, I don't know what we call it, the replica, right? The broad arrow um, that mm-hmm. I bought upon your on your recommendation at the start of this year, and my Breitling Everest Skydive Aerospace that I picked up just over a year ago. And right now it is, let me check, it is the Omega on the Forstner Flatlink bracelet, which I find very comfortable now. I've really grown to love it with that flexible uh, flexible three links right next to the clasp. What have you got on today? Well, I'm now wearing the, the, the Pano, the, the Pano uh, Medic Lunar, um, which is an awesome watch with a green dial. As I said, I'm wearing just a, a, so some, some, some knitwear uh, sweater and, and it looks really awesome with that. Uh, might be the color I've I've been wearing the watch outside as well, and then um, it really yeah lights up a bit this this green which is uh, which is cool. Um, this morning I was wearing my uh, my Rolex uh, Yardmaster. I bought it recently. Oh yeah, um, of, course, of course. I, I had one in two thousand four, 
or five, no, later. I think it was 2007, actually. I bought a Yardmaster. And um, at some point, I think a year later or two years later, I I sold it or traded it and uh, put some money uh, uh, at it as well and get a, got a Audemars Piquet Royal Oak, 15300, which I then again traded up against the Audemars Piquet Royal Oak Jumbo or the 15202. So the Yardmaster was part of this, yeah, uh, uh, buying and selling thing. And I really like to watch, but I also really want to have that Royal Oak. And then I found myself selling the Yardmaster. And I always kind of regretted it. I always uh, kept some of my Rolex sports models. And um, at some point I thought, well, I, I really like that Yardmaster. I want to get one back. And then some months ago, I saw one from someone else tried it again and I said oh man this is so good it's it's a bit of the the, the anti Rolex Rolex it, it has little to do with a Submariner or a GMT Master the, the case is different it has a platinum dial it has a, a, um, a, a bezel that, that turns in both directions instead of a, 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 a proper diving bezel um, with no limit with no loom pip is and and the bezel is is platinum so the watch ha- also has a certain weight to it because of the platinum uh, bezel and the platinum dial and then i thought yeah i want to have that watch back and um because i am also not someone who has uh, unlimited resources um or funds i sold another rolex for it which is a submariner no date it was the previous model so the one with the with the fat lux basically that people uh, now certainly dislike because there's a new one yeah, but I have to say I never wore it. I bought it a few years ago, and I never wore it. It's just not my watch. And um, I thought, yeah, I can, I can keep it for the sake of keeping this watch and keep it in the safe. And uh, it, it, I think it, I sold it now for for double the amount that I bought it for. That's good business. But, uh, that's in- good business. But that's not that was that, that's not my intention. I buy watches to wear them, and then I sold the Submariner, and for the I bought a, a Yachtmaster back, and I bought one back from two thousand four. The previous one I I owned was also from 2004 that's why i was a bit confused mm-hmm. so the production date was 2004 and that's because uh, in 2007 they started to use this uh, reho i don't know how the what the proper english term is the the, the ring between the dial and the yeah. crystal and they started to use this rolex engraving all around and then the serial number at six o'clock and from that i don't mind because you really you really, I'm not bothered by it when wearing a, a Rolex. But what bothered me was that they also changed the platinum dial. It was still a platinum dial in 2007, but they they changed the the, the grain a bit. It became finer, and the older types have a, a more coarse grain in the dial, so it's nicer when you wear it outside. It catches the sun nicer. It looks nicer. So a I want like to have your, one. Uh... But like your Omega Speedmaster Rising Sun. Uh, yeah, exactly the, the same. And um, I really want to have one, at least one before 2007. So by coincidence, I, I bumped one, bumped into one from 2004. So I purchased that one. And it's not a watch that I often wear, but I had it on this morning, uh, a bit by coincidence, basically, because I needed to take a, a picture yesterday evening of that watch. So I just kept it on. And... Um, yeah, it's a lovely watch. Um, it's a, like I said, it's a bit of the the anti Rolex Rolex, and not many people like a Yardmaster, but yeah, I like it from the moment it was introduced back in '99. This uh, this version in steel and platinum. Uh, there was even a wait list for it even back then. Wow. <laughs> and um, yeah, not. A, I think I'm not sure what the status is now. I think everything has a wait list with Rolex except for the Cellini's. But this Yardmaster was uh, widely available in the past, and uh, yeah, it's just a cool watch, and it it is a watch that you can buy under. Uh, 
well, the older ones, you can you can buy one for I, th- I don't know seven and a half, eight eight and a half thousand euros. That that bandwidth depends a bit on uh, whether you want to have box papers and so on. It's quite interesting so, uh, to observe your changing tastes from from afar. So I've noticed we've had these conversations several times this year, and I've heard you wax lyrical about the Rolex Yachtmaster. Um, you know, until my ears turned red and dropped off. You absolutely love that watch and you were aching for it all year. And I'm glad that you finally got one. Um, obviously, you still haven't tired of um, talking about this watch. And I'm sure that we could dedicate maybe a series, a small spin off series of podcasts to the things you like about the 2004 uh, Yacht Master with Platinum Dial. And it would probably be the most uh, widely listened to podcast on Spotify. But the, th- the thing is, you- you've kind of diverged in two very different directions as you've yes. got older. And this is my perspective looking at your collecting habits. Now, in the past, I think that you were very much uh, more trend-driven than you certainly are now. And you would pick up watches because the curiosity of what it was to to wear these things that were in the public consciousness was too great to ignore. And you ended up with Royal Oaks and you ended up with Submariners and things that like didn't didn't stay the course. This sub that you just got rid of, for example, is a perfect example. You never had You never had it on your wrist. You didn't care for it. At all, no, and and, and that's that's also what I realized. So why spend so much money on, on things that I don't care for, and I rather spend it on something that I really wear and enjoy, and. I couldn't care less if it's something that's accepted or not by the watch community <laughs> or watch enthusiasts or collectors because it's my money, not their money. And um, yeah, I want to have a watch that I, that I basically wear and enjoy. And I don't have enough money to have stuff laying around in a, in a safe somewhere. Um, so I w- really want to take use of these watches, basically. So but you're right. I, I have had my share of Royal Oaks. I think I had three. Yeah, I had three in total. I tried a Nautilus. I had my Submariners, my uh, my GMT Masters, a couple of them, actually. I went vintage Rolex, modern Rolex. What stayed is I collect Speedmasters. That's, that's, that's something I have been doing since uh, 20 years, uh, even longer. And um, those I really collect, and I, I enjoy them as well, wearing them and so on. And... Besides that, I also buy watches that I just wear. And um, it was a long time that I bought a Rolex for the last time. I think it was that it was that Submariner, actually. Um, but you're also moving towards slightly more grown-up watches. So you're kind of diverging in these two ways. Like I said, on the one hand, you are now completely, it would seem, immune to the trend bubble and listening to outside influence. And you'll buy something that is, you know, frankly ridiculous if you like it. I'm not saying the Yacht Master is ridiculous, by the way. It's a beautiful watch. I adore it. Thank you very much for letting me look at it and come within 10 yards of it. But <laughs> whatever. You know, I could imagine you buying, for example, a Swatch Bape watch and just not giving a damn about what anybody thought about you. And that's cool. But on the other side of things, you've also been talking at length this year about how gold suddenly matters to you. Like you're into this like phase of your life now where wearing a gold watch isn't just like a sort of statement, but it's kind of something no, that resonates I, I will with t- I will tell you this, that when I when I started with Fratello back in 2004, I think one of the first watches I owned Perhaps it was even before 2004. No, it was 2004. I had this gold Seamaster Deville, uh, full gold, and um, I really enjoyed it. But I also felt it's perhaps this, I'm too young for this. I was then, uh, how old was I? 25, 26. And um, it didn't make much sense. And also around the same time, I I borrowed this day date from Gerard. Um, He had a day date 18... 
038 or 18238. And that really made me feel un- uncomfortable because people were, I had, at least I had the feeling people were staring at me for my watch, but perhaps it was something else. But it made me really <laughs> uncomfortable. And um, then in 2014, I bought my first full gold Speedmaster. And I started wearing it almost every day. And then last year, I bought the full time, the, the full gold Speedmaster Moonshine, which also has become one of my daily wearers. And I mean, I don't have that much of an exciting uh, uh, life other than I, I'm super happy that uh, I, I have this job and I normally I travel a lot, see a lot of things in the world that other people perhaps don't get to see. Um, you're invited to do very cool stuff. Like with Oris, we did helicopter flights and so on. So in that way, it's super cool and super nice. Um, but normally, I'm not a person that 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 goes into the shopping center a lot or goes uh, to, to bars and so on every evening. So I don't have to worry about my watches. That's what I meant to say. I don't have to worry about what I'm putting on my wrist, whether it's a gold watch or a Rolex or Omega or Glassiteur or whatever. Um, it's not something that I really need to take care of. And mm-hmm. um, so I wear my gold watches. I have these these gold Speedmaster. I have this, this gold uh, Globemaster. Um, um, yeah, I really like, I, but I also like the warm tone. Um, of course, I'm older now. I'm 43, so perhaps it's also more of an age to wear gold. But um, yeah, we just did this 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 Oris watch uh, um, um, recently to, together with Oris. We created this this uh, big crown in bronze. I just like the warm color of this of this material, and whether that's gold or bronze, I think it's nice, and I think it's enjoyable. And um, why not? I don't think there's much wrong with wearing a gold watch. I think the days that people say it's oh it's tacky or it's uh, it's uh, I don't know it's uh, for for rich people only. I I just don't agree. I just yeah, don't agree with it. I, I don't agree with that either. Um, but I think what's interesting is that you sort of identified there is a time in your life when you wouldn't have felt comfortable with this. And um, it yeah, but, like but it's also because my um, activities were different. When I was in my 20s, I, I went out to bars and clubs and so on. And there I would not have felt comfortable with wearing gold watches. Uh, sure. But stylistically sure. as well, you now have this kind of more mature outlook and you, you're picking things that are a bit more of a beaten track, like the Glassator Regional Panomatic Lunar with a green dial. You see, now yeah. I, I reckon when you were 25, you wouldn't have looked at that watch at all. No. No, and, and the same for, for, for instance, also for this other Swatch Group brand called uh, Breguet. When I was starting with watches, I was in my early 20s. I always saw Breguet as, as this watch for old people. Mm-hmm. And uh, perhaps, well, I am older now, but um, so it's old. also... So, uh, so yeah. old. But I'm also now, um, I appreciate it more. And I really had a lot of fun wearing this Breguet class, uh, Classic watch uh, recently. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote a review about it. Nobody read it because it's still, I think it's a bit of a niche, uh, niche thingy. <laughs> and they, they, but I really put a lot of effort into this article. So if you're listening to this, please read my Briquet Classic uh, review. If you listen really to this, good. please read my articles as well. They're, yeah, they're also yeah, yeah, really, exactly. really good. You can find them on uh, fortellawatches.com. And um, <laughs> no, but so my, my, my change taste, but also my lifestyle changed a bit. And um, it would be something that I could wear every day. Perhaps not the, the Briquet uh, Classic because it really looks like a classic watch and it's nice with a shirt or some nice formal occasion when you go out for dinner but um, yeah gold watch i wear pretty much uh, a few times every week and also even if i go out play outside with my daughter play do some field hockey with her i take care of my watch i make sure it doesn't get hit but yeah i just keep it on i i really it's yeah um 
That's perhaps what you it's want. a bit more in place now. Yeah, it's what I want, and it's perhaps a bit more in place now. I also don't care if it gets scratches or whatsoever. It's there for wearing. It's not for, to to keep in a safe. I mean, your experience um, of trying on a lot of watches and being around a lot of luxury items has surely like affected the way you treat them as well. Because, I mean. The first time any of us saw a watch that was worth, I don't know, five figures, I'm sure our eyes popped out on stalks and we couldn't believe that we were holding it. And, you know, you, you cradled it like a, like a newborn baby. But when you've been doing these, this job as long as we have and you've been in the industry for, you know, uh, 20, 20 plus years, you, uh, you really get desensitized to it all. And that really enables yeah. you to enjoy the stuff a lot more because you just take it, it for what it yeah. is. Exactly. That's very true. Um I was afraid you would say uh, it 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 uh, it it, rep- it doesn't represent that value anymore, but that's certainly not the case because we have to purchase these watches ourselves. So I exactly know what these watches cost, and they cost me uh, uh, an arm and a leg. But um, I treat them differently. I treat them right. I treat them properly. I don't abuse these watches. I take care of them. But for me, it is what it is. It's a gold watch, and it, I wear. I but I try to wear it as much as possible. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, beautiful. But yeah, it is what you say. It's, you 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 are exposed to a lot of watches, and um, um, a five digit or six digit watch is still uh, still very special uh, up till this day. And especially if you have to buy them yourself, um, um, you really feel this in your in your wallet or bank account. Um, but yeah, I but I do purchase them um, because not six digit ones, but five digit ones because. Um, yeah, I see the value in them and I really appreciate them and I like wearing them. So, um, yeah. So I wouldn't mind wearing a gold Glassfeet Original Panomatic Lunar, to be honest. Interesting. It really so looks good. Yeah. For me, it would be the, it would definitely be the one that we've been focusing on with the green dial and the steel case at 9,000, well, 600 normally uh, when the VAT was. Yeah, depending where you are. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a sub 10,000 watch, complicated watch with great moon phase, beautiful dial layout, really artful wonderfully executed color on the dial and that movement yep top top stuff good work glassatorigonal keep it up i uh, can't wait to see what color is coming next year in the 60s collection right now we're on an ice blue taking over from last year's orange i think uh so yeah hopefully something neat is around the corner there so what do you think that the color will be of 2021 uh, we have seen green. We have seen, of course, we have seen red. Also, with her own watch, we have seen uh, 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 blue a lot. Um, but blue was always there. I have to say, I have to. Uh, well, uh, add a- funnily enough, I was asked this question um, by Alan Van Joseph from Ace Jewelers, who Ace, was yeah. on our podcast just yesterday. I think uh, on the uh, or well. Whenever you listen to this on the on the ninth of on December, the 9th, yes, on the ninth, and uh, he asked me this during my Ace List interview, and I said that I believe it will be a kind of green, blue, teal color. So my my answer is teal, really, a very similar to the color that won the uh, vote as the world's most popular color in 2017 there was a big a big vote apparently don't know if you took part in it but it's uh, like a sort of seafoam green i suppose uh, and mm. i'm not just saying that because we're looking at the um glassiter um panomatic lunar right now um, that's, that's more forest green that's a forest green so let me think is there a, is there a watch that has a green like this i would say it's kind of similar to that sort of um off off blue nautilus dial the very famous 
sort of shade. Yeah. That had. Yeah. But something a little bit in between the two, because we've had, blue dials are always going to be there. Green dials have been having a lot of fun over the last few years, and a lot more people are coming around to the idea of green. But I think that we're going to see a teal. Teal do. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Another thing about teal, and I don't want to get too down, too far down the color rabbit hole because this this could be a, another couple of hours of me rambling on about Pantones and whatnot. But um, it works really well with vibrant accent colors and quite a few of them. It works with orange. It works with pink, like neon pink uh, and a sort of ecru as well in the background. So you could put those three colors together for a really sort of like hyper, hyper modern uh uh, visage and it works with red as well so you could really bring it into some classic and established sports watch designs which normally have a flash of red somewhere or a bright accent color and teal does uh does a lot with a lot of different colors because it is like right between green and blue so uh, i think it can be integrated by luxury brands and i think the key thing rather than color next year will be texture dial texture Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's where we're seeing brands separate themselves. And Glass Original has shown this with the uh, 60s collection for, from the previous years. Not this year, it's just a Sunray this year. But previous years, they did the, the stamped dials. Grand Seiko shows us with the Snowflake. Your Yachtmaster is a good example of one from, from years gone by with a grainy finish. You know, We're seeing Fume dials, we're seeing Degradé dials, we're seeing different, the Fleque pattern of the uh, Chapek Antarctic Passage de Drake that was released earlier this week, the Lame pattern on the uh, Ter Adeli Chapek that was released earlier this year. This is where brands are creating some separation. I think that that's what we should be looking at. And I think when you see those textures and those underlying surface finishes um, covered in a color like a blue or a green or a teal, then we're going to see some really nice stuff. And I can't wait. Yeah, I tend to agree. Perhaps it's not really a certain uh, color, but it's also the type of finish or a motif on a dial that 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 will get a, a bigger role uh, next year. Um, but otherwise, I could not. My, I asked you the question, but I can't answer it for myself. To be honest, it's <laughs> it's uh, you never know. Uh, you also know. I, I, I'm not really uh, into fashion, so I, I don't know what what currently uh, would be a hot hot color um but yeah teal looks nice i had to uh, to google it a bit but uh, like uh, while we were talking um it looks nice could be interesting uh looks a bit soft to be honest it's a soft tone i would say soft color yeah it is it um, is yeah but it's versatile you know and uh, it's it's a bit of a everything and nothing color like um you can wear it with a lot as an accent piece or you can wear it to coordinate with something a bit more earthy perhaps just pops on your wrist but i just think that its popularity um deserves to be represented in watchmaking a little bit more yeah so what i I also believe is that people will um care less about the trend so they will care less about whether green is a trend or blue is a trend or red is a trend but they will uh take their own decision in that take their own uh um lead in, in in the color that they they pick and i think Meanwhile, there's enough to choose from. Uh, even with Glassy to Original, they have a number of colors in their dial, in their dials also with the with the Senator. I think they had a very, very nice uh, orange, orangey one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. A while yeah. ago. And also uh, Waco from Revolution, uh, one of our friends, uh, he did uh, uh, an Aura 65 with an, with, an, with an orange dial, which looks really awesome. And of course, we did our own red dial, which I believe also looks really awesome in combination with bronze. Um, so I think it's also a bit more that people are more interested in being an individual, taking their individual choice uh, for a watch. 
yeah. uh, to stand out and not follow the herd. And Gloucester to Reginald in, in particular doesn't have anything to worry about when it comes to this. There are very few companies no. in this price point who can execute dial colors, adventurous dial colors, as well as Gloucester to Reginald has proved itself to be able to do. Um, they should just go for it. They should chuck whatever they yeah. want at the 60s collection. And then, then we are... Then we are back at the start uh, where we started with basically that they have their own dial manufacturer in uh, Pforzheim in Germany, yeah, which is uh, I think a bit below Karlsruhe, right? Pforzheim, um, yeah. near the Schwarzwald, the Black Forest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I that's that's very interesting that they have their own uh, uh, dial manufacturer there and they can pretty much do what they want and make any decision that they want. Uh, colors they can experiment, they can have everything. Um, um, yeah, basically on their watches. So that's yeah. cool. And having that uh, facility, you know, under the in-house umbrella means that they can, uh, you know, do very limited series runs. They could do something quite special and they don't need to create thousands of them to make it cost effective. I mean, the style of a dial, the underlying textures of the dials um, that we saw in the 60s collection in the past and that we see here as well, you know, with this frosted kind of finish and then the beautiful radial pattern on the uh, on the hour and hour, minute, and seconds indicators um, are the start, are, are the foundations upon which these colors can be overlaid. You know, this is just a green lacquer. You could you could put a lacquer over the top of that in orange. You could put a lacquer over the top of that in purple. That's the color I'd like to see more of in uh, in watchmaking. I do love a bit of purple. I think that's an interesting one. Um, I don't know if many people feel the same as me, but yeah, purple dial. No. <laughs> that's uh yeah well you know you know you know maybe i can convince a couple of brands to work with us on a couple of purple projects to drive you mad but purple looks good with orange as well purple looks good with red um not not what you'd expect but you glass it to original could, could do it they really could so uh yeah maybe i'll give them a call <laughs> yeah you should cool and uh yeah with that uh, i think we should uh we, we should end the show and um um yeah uh also to our listeners, so let us know what you think, which dial color would you would like to see in, in dials next year or perhaps in, in the Classito Original uh, watch. And, um, and I'll get on the phone. Which colors you absolutely uh, dislike. That would be interesting to see as well. Um, perhaps those are colors that are already out there. But um, yeah, it seems that we are a bit stuck normally in black dials, silver dials, uh, white, green, blue, and so on. And I feel there's, uh, there's more, there should be a, a bit more to choose from. Yep, and when we've got collections like the 60s collection that have established that already, um, it's the perfect playground for brands to have some fun, do a bit of real-time market research and see what people like and what the reaction is. So go for it. Don't be afraid. Exactly. Good. Then, Rob, I would like to thank you for this um, for this podcast. And um, uh, to, to our listeners, uh, you can check us out on fratellowatches.com. You can also follow us on, on Instagram at fratellowatches. And of course, you can send us an email to info at fratello.com or just a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Thank you for listening. And um, yeah, looking forward to the next time. See you soon, guys. Oh, yes. Now we're talking. Now we're talking, RJ. Are you dancing, bro? I am actually dancing, yeah. yeah. That's the way it seems.